Welcome to The Sober Podcast, part of The Soberverse, created by the team at The Sober Network. The Sober Network is engaged in revolutionizing the treatment industry by creating its own token economy. We offer fresh ideas to an industry that has relied on dated interventions. We are responsive to a new generation of substance users who are attached to their phones so we can impact massive social change. Our unmatched technology displays solutions of our various brands, demonstrating a thorough understanding of how we get things done. We are proving that technology, along with incentivized human accountability, provides measurable and positive outcomes. Visit us at SoberNetwork.com. Welcome to the Sober Podcast. I'm your host, Jamie Brickhouse. And our topic today, um, in uh, honor of uh, Suicide Prevention Month, which is September, and we are kicking it off with uh, our Sober Liberty guest today, Ali Woods. And our topic today is How I Survived Suicide. And she um, has been sober for 18 months and is here to share her story of survival and perseverance. It's an absolute miracle that Allie is alive and here to share some of her story with us. We do have a trigger warning in case you're sensitive to self-harm or suicide. So to our listeners that may be triggered, please tune out. Um, But if you have uh, suicidal ideation or have thoughts of harming yourself and need help, text or call the Suicide and Crisis Lifeline at 988 or the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-8255. Thank you for joining us on Sober Podcast, Allie, and welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, Please tell our listeners just a little bit about um, the events that led up to, uh, to your suicide attempt and how alcohol was involved, or if it was, it was very much involved. Um, I was extremely intoxicated the night of my attempt. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what was leading up to that event was I, I was working as a 911 dispatcher at the time. Yeah. And I'm not sure how familiar you are with that line of work, but it's very. I'm not, in other words, I, in other words, knowing, I just, obviously I know what it is, but I don't know anyone or nor have I ever worked in it. So maybe tell our listeners a little bit about that. I'd love to. It's a great job. It's extremely rewarding. It can be. 
-hmm. but there are dark sides to it just as anything in the law enforcement sector. It's just a very dark and depressing world for the majority. Like, you have rays of sunshine that pop through, but people don't call 911 when they're having a good day. Right. (laughs) It it was really depressing not being able to help. Mm -hmm. It's almost like you're limited, as if we're like we're limited now through the screen. You can't I can't reach out and help you. I can only listen and respond. And that that was something that was very hard for me because I'm a very hands-on, like to help, hate when I cannot help. Mm-hmm. And so that that took a toll on me that I hadn't really realized until afterwards and being able to reflect. And it, it made me feel kind of worthless and helpless. I'd also gone to a really bad marriage and divorce. I was 31 at the time, you know, divorced. Yeah. Didn't have a boyfriend. My, the love of my life and I had just broken up. And I really just felt like I had no purpose in the world. Mm-hmm. And you were hopeless, right? Yes, very much so. And um, and you said you were also, you were drinking heavily at the time. Oh, yes. Like alcohol oh, or yes. Um, the, that night on December 14th, 2021, yeah. I had finished about an entire bottle of fireball liquor. Mm-hmm. And then I was working on a 15 rack of Miller Lite that I was almost done with. So I, I really, I, I had a very high tolerance. But yeah. I mean, no one can drink that much without being obliterated, pretty much. Right. right. And uh, what happened immediately after the attempt? And 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 to our listeners, um, sometimes uh, some folks in talking about um, suicide attempt stories uh, feel like you should refrain from uh, talking about the actual method that somebody used, but I think it, in this, in, in the case of Ollie's story, um, it is, it's crucial for, for to, to talk about the rest of the story to, uh, to say how she, uh, how she tried to kill herself. So go ahead, Ollie. Okay. It was uh it was a nine millimeter pistol mm-hmm. and I I'm familiar with guns. My dad was in police work for 30 years. So pretty much my whole life. So I had always been familiar with guns. It was a yeah nine millimeter Glock. And what happened after your suicide attempt? Did you uh, wake up immediately? Was what happened? What was the aftermath? It, I never lost consciousness right then. Mm-hmm. I was so so confused and obviously very. Uh, I don't know the exact word, but I wasn't all there. Because of the blood loss, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have said that. But because of the effects of the gunshot wound, it it caused me to become very almost swimmy in my head. But I I never passed out for quite a while until I got into the ambulance. But uh, I I texted my dad because Mm -hmm. I was just, I knew I was going to do it. I had none for hours. 
And I texted my dad at 10.30 p.m. And I said, I need help. And then I proceeded to attempt it on my own life. Mm-hmm. And then I remember my head crashed and hit my coffee table with, I didn't, I couldn't feel anything. I felt yeah. no pain, but in my head crashed into the coffee table and I wasn't able to move until my parents got there a short time later. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then my mom and dad were both cradling me on and off. And I, I, I don't remember my mom doing so, but that's what she tells me. My dad was cradling me and just screaming, Allie, why would you do this? Why would you do this? Over and over. And then my mom, to my recollection, was behind me just saying, that's my daughter. Over and over. And I, it haunts me to this day. My husband always talks about his nightmares, and I tell him he's lucky that they happen while he's asleep, because my nightmares exist when I'm awake. <laughs> wow. What a harrowing, traumatic event for everybody that, that must have been. And what has the what was the um, recovery process from the injuries you encountered like? Whew, I'm still recovering, to be honest. Um it was a year and a half ago, and huh? how you're seeing me now is a huge improvement, I will say. Thank God. But I you spent... fantastic, by the way. Thank you. That's so kind. Um, I spent about, I think it was 27 days. I spent Christmas Eve, Christmas, New Year's Eve, New Year's Day, my 32nd birthday, all in the hospital. But there was a certain point when I was in the hospital during that recovery where I decided that I'm alive and that means something and I'm going to make my life worthwhile. And this past year and a half has not been easy. It has been full of turmoil and brokenheartedness and gut-wrenching news that my surgeries did not take Mm. or that I have to have another surgery and another one. It's almost like I don't really see an end in sight, but I do know in my heart that the end is in sight, even though I can't see it. So that gives me hope. Hope is, and and something that you obviously didn't have before, right? I mean, I've been there too. And, you know, I, um, I've shared this before on the, on the podcast, but I'm also a, a, a suicide attempt survivor, um, two time and, uh, you know, and, and both times I was inebriated and, um, uh, and I also think that the, for me, the amounts of alcohol, not just that I was drinking at the time, but that was, that had been in my system for, you know, on a daily basis led to the, the depression um yes that and it i don't know it would 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 you say that was true of you 100% agree with you mm-hmm. um i i noticed and i've read a book since i'm not sure if i can say it on air but i've read a book since that when i was reading it and then looking back on my years in active alcoholism i was able to see like i feel like i'm reading a book about myself 
Oh yeah, yeah you can say it. What what book was that? Oh, it's called uh, "This Naked Mind," I believe, by Annie Grace. Okay. It's fabulous. It's it's very uh, scientific, so it can be a bit dull if that's really not your mm-hmm. a little dry. Yeah, so yeah, for some, but I love science, so I nerd out over stuff like that. And it's just so amazing the effects that alcohol has on your brain and how it does that depression. I, yeah. There was one line in the book that went something like, it takes your pro- alcohol, takes your problems and amplifies them. And that is so, so, so true. Absolutely. I totally agree with that. And, you know, that's something that I realized after the fact, because at the end of my drinking all my problems had become were on the same level, which was, you know, up here. So it was the the chair that I felt like it was a mistake in my living room that I chose was as bad as getting fired from um, a job. They were oh all, my God, yes. they had become, they had, they were all on the same high alert level, you know? Oh, I, yes, yes. So relatable. So when you were in the midst of recovering from this life altering event, did you immediately decide to be sober or was there a clear moment uh, when you chose sobriety? You know what's funny? This is a good peek into the mind of an alcoholic. Mm -hmm. The first day that I woke up, when my mom came to visit me, I I could not speak because I had a trach. I had twice. Mm -hmm. Not fun. But um, I had to write out everything I was saying because I could not speak with a trick. Um, so I was I had written out in the journal my new drinking plan that that I was only going to drink on Monday, Wednesday, I don't know exactly. It was some <laughs> stupid plan that I had where I was going to show my self-control, quote unquote, that I could I could m- moderate our control. My, mm-hmm. And I couldn't. It was a bold-faced lie. That's, <laughs> that's what my alcohol did to me. It made me a liar. Yeah. I, I lied. I lied about things that weren't even worth lying about. It, it's so silly now looking back. Right. But back to your question. I'm sorry. But oh no, that was yeah, that's that's so you you did that, and then how did that did that eventually lead to to sobriety? It did. I decided before I left the hospital that I had to make a choice. I could either drink and go back to my old ways. Yeah. And I was okay with my old ways. Or I could make a change. I could start living for me. Now, I somehow got blessed to be alive sitting here just like you. Yeah. We're both so very blessed. And given this opportunity, do I want to throw it in the fire? Or do I want to make it something spectacular? Something that could change lives. That is what keeps me going. Is that the messages I get from people I don't even know that that tell me that I'm making a difference. It honestly... I I'm I guess I'm kind of an impact. I truly feel it in my heart when when people say such kind things 
it, it feels good. And that's what I want other people to feel. That's so great. That's what keeps me going. Wonderful. Um, we are going to take a quick commercial break. Um, be back with us. Uh, we'll be back in just a few seconds. So stick with us. Hi, I'm Sonia, the founder of Everbloom. We help you change your relationship with alcohol through connection and conversation. We provide small group meetings where you can share your story and get the encouragement and support you need to achieve your goals. Whatever your goals are, we're a judgment-free space. You can find us at joineverbloom.com, B-L-U-M-E, and try us out with a free meeting. And we're back talking to Allie and... um discussing uh alcoholism and um and its effects on suicidal ideation and behavior has your suicide attempt affected relationships with your family or friends yes yes it has um do you mean me towards them or how they feel towards me or both well, I guess um, perhaps how it's how has it changed um, uh, your relationships with your family and friends um, now that you're recovering? I think that my sobriety has taught me that if you put some effort into cultivating relationships, mm-hmm. that you will reap the rewards from it. I think that my relationship with my husband, who was my boyfriend's, you know, ex-boyfriend, I guess, at the time, uh, and my parents, it's just so much better. Life in general, my relationship with God, my relationship with strangers, even, is everything is better. Mm-hmm. Including relationships are better than ever. I also think it's given me an opportunity to be more understanding of others. Yeah, that's great. That's great. That's a good change. Um, and are you, uh, is there any, any, any um, program that you uh, follow or uh, to stay sober or you, you go to meetings or in therapy or uh, anything like that? I don't go to any meetings. I Just try to hold myself accountable every day. I do have a sober app that I do like a pledge every single day. I'm up to like six right now. I'm so excited. And what else? I do go to therapy. I do go to therapy once every week. It's helped me immensely get control of my emotions and help through sobriety. Right. Um, have the, you know, and earlier you were talking about uh, the um, recovery from the attempt is you've had to have several operations and, and it's, it, it continues to be a long road. Is it harder to do that sober or, or is it actually better to be, to do it sober? <sighs> I'd say it's, I would say it's probably easier if I really think about it. Mm-hmm. It's harder in the aspect that I can't numb my, if I have, if I'm having a bad day, Yeah, I don't have anywhere to go. Well, I do, but, 
before sobriety was very daunting because it felt like, well, where am I going to turn when I'm having a rough day? How am I going to let off some steam? Mm-hmm. But I just see that now by reading a book, hanging out with my dog and my husband, going outside, appreciating the beautiful surroundings. And I find joy in other ways now. You just, um, but yeah, easier to heal because my alcohol, alcohol is not poisoning my body and my, my organs are able to function. My brain functions better. Overall, it's great. Excellent. Um, what is the best lesson you've learned in sobriety and how has it helped you? The best lesson I would say is to always hold yourself accountable. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't just go for alcohol. It goes in all aspects of life. If you're having a rough day and you say something that you don't mean, I feel that People should be okay with apologizing about that. And I have done so many things that I could be ashamed of. I, so many things. I could write you a book about the things that I'm ashamed of that I've done. But I choose not to dwell on that because that's not who I am anymore. You can choose to keep living your life in your comfort zone, or you can take one step outside. It's not that hard. And just try to change your life. And in turn, you will change other people's lives too. Oh, that's a great lesson. And, <laughs> and I'm so happy uh, that you um, are, are continuing to, to um, get better and, um, and heal through all this, uh, both physically and sounds like emotionally too. Um, and I wish you the best. Thank you, Dan. I'm so happy you're here too. I just want to say that. I'm just happy you're alive because you're you're a good human. Thank you. And this is a great way uh, to kick off Suicide Prevention Month, September. To all our listeners, thank you for your continued support. Visit us on SoberPodcast.com and all places where you find major podcasts. To leave us a review and sign up for our mailing list, you'll also find the contact information in the show notes. For our guest, Ali, I'm your host, Jamie Brickhouse. You can find me on TikTok and Facebook and Instagram every day where I tell a true story in high heels at Jamie Brickhouse. Signing out from Sober Podcast, tune in for another show next week. If you have suicidal ideation, having or having thoughts of harming yourself and need help, text or call Suicide and Crisis Lifeline at 988, that's 988, or the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline, 1-800-273-8255. That's 1-800-273-8255. Signing off and tune in next week for a new show. Thank you for joining us for this episode of The Sober Podcast. We hope that you have found this episode helpful and look forward to you joining us next time. As we continue to grow and implement positive change, we hope that you'll share our podcast with your friends and loved ones. They can find us on all the major podcast directories. If you have an idea for the show, want to leave positive feedback, ideas, or comments, connect with us on thesoberpodcast.com. You can also reach us on our social media platform on The Soberverse. 
We'd love to hear from you. A special thanks to all those who make this show happen. Jamie Brickhouse, our host, Carrie, our producer, Carl Fessenden, our voice, and our sponsor, The Sober Network. Network.